الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger we like to begin this afternoon in this the last session inshallah of the explanation or the brief commentary on the hadith from bulugh al-maram by al-hafiz ibn hajar al-asqalani rahimahullah from the chapter kitab al-siyam and in the previous uh, lecture we discussed the chapter concerning al-i'tikaf and the prayer of the night in Ramadan due to the uh, need to discuss that before the last 10 days of Ramadan pass us by so we will return now to the section which we have skipped and that is the section entitled bab saum at-tatawwur wa ma nuhiya an saumihi and in this hadith which we will take from this chapter insha'Allah are from hadith number 552 until the end of this section until we reach the chapter of Itikaf which we took last week uh, the chapter concerning voluntary fasting Saum al-Tatawwur voluntary fasting wa ma nuhiya an sawmihi and that which the fasting or the days which fasting has been prohibited during them yani those days during which fasting is prohibited voluntary fasting and the days during which fasting is prohibited the first hadith hadith number 552 an abi qatadata al-ansari radiyallahu anhu anna an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam su'ila an sawmi yawm arafah abu qatada al-ansari may Allah be pleased with him mentioned or narrated that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was asked he was questioned about fasting the day of arafah the day of arafah meaning the ninth day of dhulhijjah the main day of the rites of hajj or pilgrimage the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was questioned about fasting on that day the day of arafah faqala yukaffiru as-sanata al-madiyah wal-baqiyah the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that fasting the day of arafah that it expiates yani it's an expiation for the sins from the previous year the past year and the coming year it is an expiation for the sin of the past year those sins which the person has committed in the past year as well as the sins of the coming year some of the scholars said that the meaning of the sins of the coming year it means since they have not yet been committed the coming year 
some scholars said it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give that person the success to do that which would expiate whatever sins they commit in the coming year. That he would give them the success of doing those things which would remove those sins. And some scholars said that he would give them the success of avoiding falling into those sins for the following year. In any case, the obvious meaning of the hadith is that the fasting of this day, the day of Arafah, the ninth of Dhul Hijjah, that it is a tremendously rewardable fast. It means that a person's sins would be forgiven for the previous year and the coming year. And this fast of the day of Arafat, uh, it is for those who are not performing pilgrimage. Most of the scholars have agreed that the fasting on the day of Arafat is for those who are not performing the pilgrimage. As for those who are performing the pilgrimage, that will be discussed in the end of this chapter in the hadith concerning the prohibition of fasting on Arafat, meaning prohibition of fasting for those who are performing Hajj and they are on Arafat on the 9th of Dhul Hijjah whether or not it is allowed for them to fast. However, the fasting that is mentioned here on the day of Arafat is for those who are not performing the pilgrimage. وَصَعِلَ عَنْ سِيَامِ يَوْمِ Ashura, The Prophet ﷺ was also asked about the fasting of the day of Ashura and in the 10th of Muharram, the 10th day of the month of Muharram, the first year of the Muslim calendar. فَقَالَ يُكَفِّرُ السَّنَةَ الْمَاضِيَةَ He said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the fast of the day of Ashura, the 10th of Muharram, that it expiates the sins from the previous year. وَسُئِلَ عَنْ ثَوْمِ يَوْمِ الْإِثْنَيْنِ And then he was asked about the fasting of يَوْمُ الْإِثْنَيْنِ, Monday. فَقَالَ ذَلِكَ يَوْمٌ وُلِدْتُ فِيهِ وَبُعِثْتُ فِيهِ وَأُنْزِلَ عَلَيَّ فِيهِ he said concerning Yom Al-Ithnayn, Monday, he said that is the day in which I was born. And it is the day in which I was missioned, yani commissioned with prophethood. And it is the day in which the revelation came to me. Yani the day in which the Qur'an was revealed to him. Rawahu Muslim. This hadith is reported by Al-Imam Muslim, Rahimahullah. There's another hadith which Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani rahimahullah has not mentioned here related to this topic and there's no contradiction between this uh, final part of the hadith and the hadith of Usama radiyallahu anhu concerning the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam about Yawmul Ithnayn, the fasting of Yawmul Ithnayn he said Yawmun tu'aradu fihi al-a'mal yani it is a day in which the deeds of a person are presented Yani in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said that he loves to be fasting or he loves to be in the condition of fasting at the time when his deeds are being presented. Uh, <coughs> also it should be noted that in the authentic hadith it has been reported that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that if he had lived until the following year then he would definitely have fasted the ninth. The ninth of Muharram. The ninth of Muharram. Therefore it is considered to be from the Sunnah and it is highly recommended that the fasting of the 10th of Muharram should be accompanied by fasting the previous day, that is the 9th and that is what is reported in the authentic hadith. Uh, some of the scholars said that this is so that yani, as a precaution in case the calculation of the day, yani the sighting of the moon or otherwise was incorrect to fast both of these days 
is a precautionary measure to make sure that one has fought that day or the other reasoning that some of the scholars have given is in order to oppose and to differ from the way of the Jews who used to fast the day of Ashura. <coughs> from this hadith we understand number one that it is mustahab, commendable to fast on the day of Arafat for those who are not performing pilgrimage. As for those who are performing pilgrimage, then it is considered by some of the scholars as being forbidden and some said it is detestable or makru and some said that it is not a desirable act. Also the fasting of Yawm Al-Ashura, Yawm Ashura that is the 10th of Muharram and Yawm Al-Ithnayn that these are also commendable or praiseworthy days to fast for all of the people, yani not related to Hajj. The second point is that the fasting of the day of Arafat it is preferable and, mer- and more meritorious than the fast of the day of Ashura. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that the fasting of the day of Ashura, it expiates the sins from the previous year, or the fasting of Arafat expiates the sins of two years, the previous year and the coming year. Finally, it is mentioned and it is understood from this hadith, though it is not that which is directly mentioned in the wording of the hadith, that it is expected that a person should remember the day in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon them a blessing that they should they could remember that day by fasting that day or doing some deed by which they could get near to Allah to show their appreciation. Uh, that is what has been mentioned in the sharh of the hadith. However, we might add to it another point and that is the discussion of the scholars concerning the sins that are forgiven from the previous year or the coming year, many of the scholars said that it means the minor sins, and we have mentioned this previously, uh, that there is difference of opinion about this. However, the apparent meaning of the hadith is that one's sins are forgiven. One's sins are forgiven. However, yani it is a majority opinion that the sins which are forgiven are the minor sins, whereas major sins have to be removed by repentance. The next hadith, hadith number 553 وعن أبي أيوب الأنصاري رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من صام رمضان ثم أتبعه ستا من شوال كانت كالسيام الدهر أبو أيوب الأنصاري رضي الله عنه said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that whoever fast رمضان من صام رمضان meaning the whole month of Ramadan all of it whether it is 29 or 30 days ثُمَّ أَتْبَعَهُ سِتَّنْ مِنْ شَوَّاقِ And then they followed the completion of the fast of Ramadan with six days from the month of Shawwal, the following month, كَانَتْ كَالْسِيَامِ الدَّهْرِ It is as though they have fasted for the whole year, or for a whole year. And here it is important to note that the strongest opinion of the scholars is that the reward that is mentioned in this hadith, it is based on the person having fasted Ramadan, meaning the whole of the month of Ramadan. And then fasting, the voluntary fast of six days of Shawwal, not those who have missed some days of Ramadan, avoiding completing those days and then fasting, the voluntary fast of Shawwal, while they haven't completed the obligatory fast of Ramadan, either due to sickness or traveling or whatever. But in fact, the obligatory fast should be completed first. And then the voluntary fast is secondary. This hadith has been reported by Al-Imam Muslim. In the making up of that fast, uh, it has been mentioned that yani, what is derived from this hadith is that it is mustahab to fast the six days from the month of Shawwal 
and that that fasting, it can be done consecutively or individual days. It can be done in the beginning of the month, yani after the day of Eid, the first of Shawwal, starting from the second of Shawwal, because it's not allowed to fast on the day of Eid. It can be done from the beginning of the month, or from the middle of the month, or from the end of the month. The important thing is that six days from the month of Shawwal should be fasted, whether they are consecutive or whether they are separate. Uh, <coughs> and also, some of the scholars have mentioned in the explanation of this hadith, that this hadith is not a proof that it is legislated to fast the whole of the year, every day, without breaking fast. Yani this hadith is not a proof of that. This hadith is a proof that whoever fasts the month of Ramadan and follows it with six days of Shawwal, they will get the reward for fasting the whole year. That means that this act, it eliminates the need for somebody to fast daily for the whole year, which is not legislated in Islam, as will come in a hadith uh, as we go further on. Uh, it is not legislated to fast every day, but the reward for fasting every day is given to the one who has uh, performed this act of fasting six days of Shawwal after the completion of the 29 or 30 days of Ramadan. Hadith number 554, رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ما من عبد يصوم يوما في سبيل الله إلا بعد الله بذلك اليوم عن وجهه النار سبعين خريفا متفق عليه واللفظ لمسلم أبو سعيد الخضري رضي الله عنه he said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that there is no one of the servants of Allah ما من عبد no one who fasts a day yani while in jihad. There is no one who fasts a day while he is in jihad in the way of Allah. And some of the scholars said that it may also mean yani, whoever fasts for the sake of Allah, for the pleasure of Allah. However, what is understood by most of the scholars is that when this expression is used in the absolute sense, it means jihad. He said, there is no one who fasts one day while he is in the way of Allah in jihad, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would remove his face from the fire due to the fast of that day, 70, that which is equivalent to 70 years, the distance of 70 years. He would remove that person's face from the fire, the distance of 70 years due to the fast of that one day. And this is an indication that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect that person from the punishment of the fire. This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim and the exact wording that is given here is from Al-Imam Muslim rahimahullah. From this hadith we understand the merit of fasting while one is in jihad with the condition that it doesn't cause the weakening of their body such that they are not able to face the enemy in the battlefield. Uh, however, if the person would become weakened by fasting, then what is preferable is that they break the fast. Hadith number 555, Aisha radiyallahu anha she said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to fast so much to such an extent that we used to say he will not break his fast. And he meaning that he used to fast every day, sometime for a, a, a long period of time, fasting consecutive every day, until they thought that he would never stop fasting, those daily fasts. 
And then on other occasions he used to break his fast. Yani he used to go without fasting for such a long time that they used to say that he will not fast. وَمَا رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ اسْتَقْمَلَ سِيَامَ شَهْرٍ إِلَّا رَمَضَانٍ وَمَا رَأَيْتُهُ فِي شَهْرٍ أَكْثَرَ مِنْهُ سِيَامًا فِي شَعْبَانٍ And she said that I have not seen the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم completing the fast of a whole month except the fast of Ramadan and I have not seen him fasting more in any month Yani other than Ramadan, I have not seen him fasting any month more than he fasted in the month of Sha'ban. Mustafaqun alayhi, reported by Al-Bukhari Muslim, Wallah li Muslim, and the exact wording is from Al-Imam Muslim, Rahimahullah. <coughs> from this hadith, it is understood that it is commendable and praiseworthy and meritorious to fast the month of Sha'ban more than other months, yani other than Ramadan. Uh, because, as it has been mentioned in an authentic hadith, that the deeds of a person is raised up to Allah in this month, yani in the month of Sha'ban. And that hadith is the hadith reported by An-Nasai and Abu Dawood, and it has been authenticated by Ibn Khuzaymah from Usama ibn Zayd. He said, I said, O Messenger of Allah, I don't see you fasting in any month. Of all of the months, I don't see you fasting more than you fast in Sha'ban, meaning other than Ramadan. And he said, the Prophet ﷺ said, that is because it is a month that the people forget about between Rajab and Ramadan. Because the people are engaged in the month of Rajab and in the month of Ramadan, then they have forgotten about Sha'ban. So the Prophet ﷺ said, that this is the month that the people forget. Yani forget about worshipping Allah. They are not engaged so much in worshipping Allah. And it is the month in which deeds are raised up to the Lord of the world. And therefore I love that my deeds would be raised up while I am fasting. Also from this hadith, we understand that the best fast after the fast of Ramadan is the fast of the month of Sha'ban. And some of the scholars said that it might be, it might appear to be a conflict between this hadith and the hadith in which the Prophet sallallahu said that the best fast after Ramadan is Muharram. And the scholars said that the explanation of this is that the best fast is the month of Muharram means of the sacred months, of the four sacred months, while the, the general meaning of the best of fasting or the best of fasting in general overall after Ramadan is Sha'ban, and Allah knows best. Hadith number 556, وأن أبي ذر رضي الله عنه قال أمرنا Yani Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, he said that the Messenger of Allah commanded us, he ordered us that we fast three days from every month. It is a voluntary fast, it is not obligatory, but the meaning here is that it was strong encouragement. It was strong encouragement that we should fast from every month at least three days. And he named those three days in this hadith to be the 13th, 14th, and 15th. Ayyam al-Bid, yani the days in which the sky is bright in the night due to the fullness of the moon in the middle of the month, 13th, 14th, and 15th. This hadith is reported by An-Nasai 
and a Tirmidhi and Ibn Hibban declared it to be Sahih. And the hadith is Sahih indeed as it has been the chain of narratives in a Tirmidhi has been declared by contemporary as well as earlier scholars. From this hadith we understand that it is mustahab or commendable that a person should fast three days from every month. That one should fast three days in every month. It is commendable, it is praiseworthy. And those days that the Prophet ﷺ has recommended in this hadith is the middle of the month, the 13th, 14th, and 15th. Likewise, it has been reported authentically, and though it's not mentioned here in the text of the book, but it has been reported authentically in the Sunan of Abu Dawood, the Shaykh al-Bani, rahimahullah, declared the hadith to be hasan, that sometimes the Prophet ﷺ used to fast on Monday and Thursday of one week and on the next Monday of the following week. And he used to not only fast 13, 14, 15, but sometimes he would fast on other days, three days other than 13, 14, 15, and he would fast on Monday and Thursday, and then in the following week on a Monday, making the three days for that month. Hadith number 557. وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا يحل لامرأتي أن تصوم وزوجها شاهد إلا بإذنه متفق عليه واللفظ للبخاري وزاد أبو داود غير رمضان يعني أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه he said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that it is not lawful it is not permissible that a woman should fast while her husband is while her husband is present unless she has taken his permission. It is not permissible for a woman to fast while her husband is present unless she has taken his permission. This hadith is reported by Al Bukhari and Muslim. The wording is from Al Bukhari and in the narration of Abu Dawood the words are added Ghayr Ramadan, yani other than Ramadan. In Ramadan it is obligatory fasting and therefore she doesn't have to take her husband's permission. But she is obligated to fast whether he is in agreement or not. But voluntary fast, she should take permission from her husband. Uh, from this hadith, we understand that, that it is not permissible for the woman to fast, a voluntary fast, without her husband's permission. And if she does so, it is sinful. It is sinful. Number two, that fulfilling the rights of her husband uh, has preference. Over voluntary fasting. Over voluntary fasting. Number three, that it is obligatory on the woman to fast Ramadan, even if her husband is not agreeable to it. And likewise, by Tiyas, some of the scholars said that it is obligatory on her to fast the days that she has to make up from Ramadan, even if her husband is not agreeable to it. While some scholars said that it is preferable that the woman should take permission from her husband even for the day's obligatory fast that she has to make up later as long as there's plenty of time for her to do it. However, if the time is short and it is close to the following Ramadan coming, then in that case she doesn't have to take permission from her husband and it is not recommended to take permission from her husband in that case, but it is. Uh, she is encouraged to fast that obligatory fast before the time for it is finished. Hadith number 558 وعن أبي سعيد الخدري رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نهى عن قيام يومين يوم الفطر 
ويوم النهر متفق عليه البخاري ومسلم have reported the hadith from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri may Allah be pleased with him that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prohibited fasting two days that is the day of Fitr the day of Eid al-Fitr and it's the first day of Shawwal after the fast of Ramadan and Yawm al-Nahr the day of sacrifice the day when the animals are sacrificed by the pilgrimage by those people who are performing pilgrimage the pilgrims who are in Hajj that is the 10th of Dhul Hijjah these two days are the two days of Eid for the Muslims there are two days one day is Eid al-Fitr and one day is Eid al-Adha as it has been clearly stated in the hadith he has prohibited two days the day of Fitr and the day of Nahr that is Eid al-Adha these days are prohibited from fasting because they are the days of Eid and the days of Eid are days of eating and drinking and one should not fast on those days from this hadith we understand that it is prohibited to fast the day of Fitr and the day of Adha according to the majority of scholars uh, and they held that even if a person vowed made a vow to fast and when one makes a vow it becomes obligatory when they have made it obligatory on themselves by vowing then they have to fulfill their vow unless it is a vow of disobedience but even if a person has vowed to fast in those days then that vow is not effective it is not effective because it is a vow to do that which is prohibited uh, hadith number 559 wa an nubaysha al-hudali radiyallahu anhu qala qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ايام التشريق ايام اكل وشرب وذكر لله عز وجل رواه مسلم in this hadith imam muslim rahimahullah has reported from nubaysha al-hudali radiyallahu anhu one of the companions of prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that the messenger of allah has said that the days of tashriq ايام التشريق there are three days yani after the day of sacrifice after the tenth the days of the 11th, 12th and 13th of Dhul Hijjah after the day of sacrifice in these three days ayyam al-tashriq the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that these are days of eating and drinking and remembering Allah the mighty and the majestic yani in some of the hadith it is these days are described as days of eid just like uh, and the ruling concerning them then is similar to the day of eid al-adha and the day of eid al-fitr that is these days are days of rejoicing and they are not days when one should be fasting <coughs> uh, the following hadith is related to the same topic it is the hadith of Aisha wa Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma may Allah be pleased with both of them qala lam yurakhas fi ayyam at-tashriq an yusamna illa liman lam yajid al-hadiya رواه البخاري الامام البخاري رحمه الله نارد حديث عائشه عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهم that they said لم يرخص يعني permission or allowance has not been given في ايام التشريق in the days of tashriq 11th 12th and 13th of hijjah permission has not been given in these days to fast except for the one who doesn't find a sacrificial animal يعني except for the pilgrim who is not able to afford a sacrificial animal 
And if it, if it is obligatory on them to fast, uh, such as the person who is form, performing tamattu' or the person who is performing iran, then in that case, if they are not able to make the sacrifice, then they are allowed to fast. Yani no permission has been given to fast the days of tashriq except the one who cannot find a sacrificial animal, meaning that there is an exception for them, that they might fast on those days. And yani because the one who doesn't make the sacrifice has to fast three days during Hajj and seven days when they return home. Therefore, a permission has been given especially for them to fast even in these days in which fasting is normally not to be performed. However, the wording of this hadith from the wording of this hadith, the scholars have differed. Lam yurakhas, permission has not been given. This expression doesn't indicate whether it is from the Prophet sallallahu who has made the exception for those to fast who cannot find the sacrificial animal. Some of the scholars said that it has to be marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet sallallahu even though it hasn't been mentioned specifically. And other scholars said, it is not so, it is possible that they could have understood this from the verses of Qur'an that mention those who cannot find an animal that they, that they should fast for ten days, three days during Hajj, and seven days when they return home. From these ayats, they may have understood that the one who cannot find a sacrificial animal is allowed to fast those three days. Because there is difference of opinion concerning this matter, whether or not it is actually Yani a permission from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi or was it the ijtihad of Aisha radiallahu anha and Abdul ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma? For that reason, there is difference of opinion concerning this matter. However, the previous hadith, it is very clear in the previous hadith that ayam al-tashrif, that one should not fast in those days. Therefore, uh, those who held this uh, this statement to be marfu'an attributed to the Prophet ﷺ, then they said that no one should fast according to the previous hadith and according to this hadith with the exception of those who are required to fast because of not performing the sacrifice. So from this hadith it is said that it is prohibited. It is absolutely prohibited to fast during the days of tashriq and this is according to a group of the scholars from amongst them, Al-Imam Al-Shafi'i, and that it is prohibited for anyone to fast during the days of tashriq. However, uh, those who understand this hadith to be marfu'an attributed to the Prophet, they said that it is prohibited to fast except for those who have been given a special permission in this statement of Aisha radiallahu anha and Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma. Uh, the second point is that the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, this second hadith, it indicates that it is permissible to fast in these days for the one who has not found a sacrificial animal, or who is not able to afford it. And a third opinion concerning this matter is that it is absolutely permissible uh, to fast in these days. However, this opinion has no legitimate basis. In that case, the fasting during Ayyam al-Tashriq, it is not allowed, according to the best of the opinions, it is not allowed except for those who are compelled to fast three days during Hajj and during the pilgrimage due to the fact that they were unable to perform a sacrifice. Hadith number 561 عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا تخصوا ليلة 
الليالي ولا تخص يوم الجمعة بصيام من بين الأيام إلا أن يكون في ثوم يصومه أحدكم رواه مسلم الإمام مسلم رحمه الله نعمل في حديث أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that one should not single out should not single out the day of Juma Friday one should not single out this day be qiyam يعني by performing the salat al-qiyam or the prayer in the night standing in the night especially on the night of Juma it should not be singled out as a special night from amongst the other nights nor should one single out the day of Jumu'ah for fasting from amongst the other days of the week except the one who used to fast a certain fast regularly and that fast came on the day of Jumu'ah then there is no harm in doing so otherwise the day of Jumu'ah should not be singled out either for praying in the night and the night before Jumu'ah nor for fasting in the day the exception for fasting on the day of Jumu'ah is the one who used to fast normally a certain day for example 13 14 15 they used to fast every month and one of those days came on juma there's no harm in doing so or otherwise and as long as it was a regular fast that that person used to stick to all the time uh from this hadith we understand that it is prohibited to single out the night of juma for standing in prayer in the night or the day of juma uh, for fasting except for the one who normally used to fast a particular day and they would still fast it even if it happened to come on a Juma. Uh, the, this is the minority opinion, however it is the apparent meaning of the clear wording of the Hadith while the majority of scholars held that the fasting, singling out Juma for fasting that it is only makruh, it is something detestable but not absolutely haram. The minority opinion is closer to the apparent meaning of the hadith and therefore is preferable that one should not single out Juma for fasting. Except as mentioned in the hadith if they normally used to fast, a fast that fell on Juma. Also, <coughs> it has been mentioned in the discussion of this hadith, a hadith which is fabricated. And it is that Salat al-Raghaib في أول ليلة جمعة من رجب that the first night of Juma during the month of رجب <coughs> that there is a salat called salat al-raghaib and it was even though that hadith is not authentic some people believing it to be from the Prophet وسلم, encouraged fasting uh, or encouraged uh, praying in the night praying during that night the first night or the first night of Juma in the month of رجب However, uh, this hadith indicates that Juma should not be singled out, not for fasting nor for praying in the night. And therefore, uh, from this we know, this is an indication that this practice is unacceptable and it is not according to the sunnah. And the fact that the hadith is fabricated mawdu'ah is also proof that it is not permissible, that it is an innovation. Hadith number 562, وَعَنْهُ That is عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يصومن أحدكم يوم الجمعة إلا أن يصوم يوما قبله أو يوما بعده متفق عليه البخاري المسلم رحمه الله they have collected this hadith and there two sahih from أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه 
He said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prohibited any one of you to fast the day of Jummah. لا يصومن أحدكم No one of you, absolutely no one of you should fast the day of Jummah except that he fast a day before it or a day after it. مستفقون عليه يعني if anybody wanted to fast the day of Jummah they shouldn't single it out as mentioned in the previous hadith but what is allowed is if they fast the day before it or the day after it so that Jummah will not be singled out as a special day of fasting but one may fast يوم الخميس and يوم Jummah together or Yawm al-Jummah and Yawm al-Sabt together. And joining Jummah with the day before it or the day after it, in that case, it is permissible. <coughs> From this, we understand the permissibility of fasting the day of Jummah as long as it is coupled with the day before it or the day after it. And whoever intended or began to fast the day of Jummah, if they came to know this, then they should break their fast. It is obligatory, and it is not allowed that one should single out the day of Jummah alone. Uh, there is an authentic hadith also, and related to this point, and it is the hadith reported by Al-Bukhari and others from Juwayriya, radiallahu anha, that the Prophet sallallahu came to her one day, it was Jummah, and she was fasting, and he asked her, did you fast yesterday? She said, no. He said, will you fast tomorrow? She said, no. And then he ordered her, then break your fast. And showing that it is not permissible, but whoever is fasting without the intention of fasting the following day, and they have not fasted the previous day, then they must break their fast. Uh, hadith number 563, وَعَنْهُ that is Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal idhan tasafa sha'abanu fala tasumu rawahu al-khamsatu wa sankarahu ahmadu and in this hadith it is reported from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that if you reach the middle of sha'aban and in the middle of the month of sha'aban fala tasumu then do not fast. And you don't fast after in the second half of Sha'ban. In the first half of Sha'ban, it is commendable to fast in it. However, if you have reached the middle of Sha'ban, then one should not fast after that. This hadith is reported by Al-Khamsa, that is, Al-Imam Ahmed in his Musnad, and the four Sunan Abu Dawud, Al-Tirmidhi, and Nasai and Ibn Majah, Rahimahullah, Wastankarahu Ahmed. And Al-Imam Ahmed, Rahimahullah, considered this hadith to be munkar. And he rejected it. He didn't accept it. He didn't consider this hadith to be authentic. <coughs> However, the stronger opinion of the scholars concerning this from amongst the earlier scholars, of those who narrated Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi clearly stated that the hadith is Hassan Sahih, that it is a good hadith. And of the later day scholars, Shaykh al-Bani, has also declared that hadith to be sahih with a lengthy discussion concerning the difference of opinion of the scholars about this hadith. And of, of the proofs that show the permissibility, and at least in some cases of fasting after the second half of Sha'aban or during the second half of Sha'aban, is the hadith we took in the beginning of this section of Kitab al-Siyam in which the Prophet ﷺ said,
that no one of you should precede Ramadan, should fast just before Ramadan, the day before, two days before, except the one who used to fast regularly a certain day, and it came the day or two days before Ramadan, then they may fast it. And this is a proof that if somebody, at least in the one, the, for the one that used to fast regularly, even in the second half of Sha'ban, it is permissible to fast, if they used to fast that day regularly. In that case, from this hadith we understand uh, that it is prohibited to fast in the second half of Sha'ban except the one who fast a day in the second half of Sha'ban that came at a time that he normally used to fast. And some of the scholars said that the reasoning for the prohibition of fasting the second half of Ramadan is so that the person will be strong and they will not be weakened by fasting the whole of Sha'ban and then not being able to complete the fast of Ramadan. <coughs> Uh, hadith number 564 وعن سماء بنت بسر رضي الله عنها may Allah be pleased with her and رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا تسوموا يوم السبت إلا فيما افترض عليكم that you should not fast the Yom Sabt, that is Saturday, except if the Saturday was from amongst those days that have been made obligatory on you. Any Saturday that came in Ramadan, or Saturday that came at a time that the person was obligated to fast. وَإِن لَمْ يَجِدْ أَحَدُكُمْ إِلَّا لَحَاءَ عِنَبٍ أَوْ عُودَ شَجَرَةٍ فَلْيَمْدُغْهَا the Prophet ﷺ emphasized the point of not fasting Saturday, singling out Saturday alone as the day of fasting to the extent that he said that if one of you was fasting was, and he came at the day when it was Saturday and they didn't even find anything to eat except the skin of a grape or a twig from a tree, then he should bite on it or chew on it in order that he wouldn't be fasting on Saturday. رواه الخمسة ورجاله ثقات إلا أنهم مضطربون وقد أنكره مالك وقال أبو داود هو منسوخ. This hadith has a lengthy discussion about it. <coughs> In a number of books, the scholars have discussed this hadith. Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, rahimahullah, has summarized much of what has been said about it in these words: رواه الخمسة that it is reported by the five: Imam Ahmed, Abu Daud, Al-Tirmidhi, and Nasa'i ibn Majah. And the narrators of its chain, Rijalahu Thiqat, the chain of narrators, the, the people who are in those, in that chain, they are acceptable, they are reliable, they are Thiqat, yani reliable narrators. Uh, except, Al-Hafiz, Rahimahullah says, except that the hadith is Muttarib. And this was the opinion of Al-Imam Al-Nasai, concerning this hadith, Al-Nasai, Rahimahullah said that the hadith is Muttarib. Uh, and, the scholars, many of them have discussed it, some of them uh, showing that the hadith is indeed an authentic hadith, and from amongst them, yani, a collection of the sayings of the scholars concerning this uh, has been made by Sheikh Al-Albani, rahimahullah. He has discussed what many of the scholars said concerning this hadith, those who considered it to be authentic, uh, and that it is not mutarib. 
And by the way, if you look in the index of the words of the technical terminology in the back of the book, you will find that Muttarib is a hadith which has been narrated in more than one narration with contradictory wording or contradictory or asani chains of narration that cannot be reconciled. Yani the wording of the hadith is contradictory or the chains of narration yani cannot be reconciled. They cannot match. And likewise, it should be those, that those narrations are equal in strength such that not one of them can be given preference over the other. And if we find a hadith that has been narrated in a contradictory fashion and we cannot reconcile between them, we cannot explain the contradiction away, and both of them are equal in strength in terms of their authenticity so that we cannot give preference to one over another, then we say this hadith is mutarib, meaning that it is we cannot accept one or the other narration, therefore we reject it and we don't act upon it unless reconciliation can be made or it can be shown that one is stronger than the other. In that case, if we make reconciliation, then we can accept both of them. Or if we show that one is stronger than the other, then we will reject the weaker one and act according to the stronger one. <coughs> In any case, Shaykh al-Bani has discussed this hadith and what the scholars have said about it. And he has shown that the hadith is not mutarib, but that there is a narration which is stronger than the others. And that narration is Sahih as even Al-Hafiz says here Rijaluhu Thiqat and Al-Imam Nawawi said uh, concerning this hadith that we cannot uh, that we cannot accept the statement of Al-Imam Malik concerning the rejection of hadith while the Imams the Imams of the scholars of hadith they have considered it to be Sahih and he is referring here to what Al-Hafiz mentioned during the statement he said وَقَدْ أَنْكَرَهُ Malik. Yani that Al-Imam Malik rejected this hadith. In fact, he said, it is kithib, it is a lie. However, Al-Imam Nawawi, rahimahullah, said that we cannot accept this statement while the imams of hadith have declared this hadith to be sahih. And from amongst those who declared it to be sahih is Al-Imam Hakim and Al-Imam Al-Zahabi and Al-Imam Al-Darqutni and Abdul Haq Al-Ashbili and other scholars. They have examined this hadith and examined its chain of narration and declared it to be sahih and the correct opinion. Allah knows best and to single out Saturday as a day of fasting, except the one uh, who is fasting an obligatory fast that fell on a Saturday. Uh, <clears throat> the next hadith is related to this same topic. It is hadith number 565. <laughs> أكثر ما كان يصوم من الأيام يوم السبت ويوم الأحد وكان يقول إنهما يوم عيد للمشركين وأنا أريد أن أخالفهم that Umm Salama رضي الله عنها said that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم that the most he used to fast of days of fasting was Saturday and Sunday يوم السبت ويوم الأحد he used to fast those days more than other days and he used to say that these two days, they are two days of Eid for the Mushrikeen, for the pagans, and therefore I intend or I desire or I want to act contrary to them, to oppose them. So I will fast in those days that are their days of Eid. This hadith has been reported by An-Nasai, وَصَحَّحَهُ ibn وَهَذَا لَفْظُهُ And it has been declared authentic by Ibn Khuzayma, and the wording of this hadith is from Ibn Khuzayma. And it has also been narrated by Ibn Hibban and Al-Hakim 
And uh, from amongst the scholars, uh, Sheikh al-Albani mentioned that Abdul Haq al-Ashbili in his book Al-Ahkam al-Wusta said that this hadith is da'if and he said that this is the stronger opinion to me also that the hadith is da'if uh, in any case if the hadith is sahih if it is sahih according to those who declare it to be sahih then the Prophet sallallahu used to fast on, yom, on Saturday and Sunday in that case we would consider it as to be mustahab to fast these two days however for those who declare it to be sahih then there is no reason to single out these days for fasting and Allah knows that and in any case if one fasts them to oppose the people of the book the Christians and Jews who have taken these days as, as special days Saturday and Sunday as days of worship for them then it is a praiseworthy act to oppose them as the Prophet ﷺ in the end of his life used to prefer opposing the way of the people of the book whatever they used to do in the matters of worship he used to differ from them in order to distinguish the Muslim community from the Ahl Kitab Hadith number 566 that Abu Huraira reports that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited fasting the day of Arafat, the ninth of Dhul Hijjah, for the one who is at Arafat, meaning the one who is performing pilgrimage. On the day of Arafat, the Prophet ﷺ prohibited fasting that day. Rawahu al Khamsatu, Ghayrat Tirmidhi, wa Sahahahu ibn Khuzaymata wal Hakim, wa Sankarahu al Uqayli. And this hadith has been reported by the five except the Tirmidhi. That is Abu Dawood and Nasai ibn Majah and Imam Ahmed rahimahumullah. It was declared Sahih by Ibn Khuzaym and Hakim while Uqayli he considered the hadith to be munkar, rejected. And likewise, <coughs> I mean, he has mentioned it in his book Al-Du'afa Al-Kabir and it has also been mentioned in other books as being rejected and from amongst the earliest scholars those who rejected it was Imam Ibn Hazm and Ibn Qayyim and of the latest scholars, Shaykh al-Bani also rejected that hadith uh, as being a weak hadith. In any case, even if that hadith is not authentic, it is at least known that the Prophet ﷺ, it is confirmed that he didn't used to fast, or he did not fast on the day of Arafat. He did not fast on the day of Arafat. It is authentic that he didn't fast on that day. However, the actions of the Prophet ﷺ, cannot be used to indicate the prohibition of something because he has abstained from it. However, what we can understand that it is preferable at least. Yani some of the scholars from this hadith, those who considered it to be sahih, they considered it to be prohibited to fast on the day of Arafat for the pilgrim. That is if the hadith is sahih. However, if it is not sahih, then we can use some other hadith at least to show that it is makru or detestable and from amongst them is the authentication that the Prophet did not fast on that day therefore we should follow his example and likewise there is an authentic hadith uh, that is reported in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood that the Prophet ﷺ said يَوْمُ عَرَفَ وَيَوْمُ النَّحْرَ وَأَيَّامُ التَّشْرِيكَ عِيدُنَا أَهْلَ الْإِسْلَامِ أَهْلَ الْإِسْلَامِ وَهِيَ أَيَّامُ أَقْلُ وَالشُرْبُ and the hadith is sahih that the day of Arafat and the day of sacrifice and Nahr and the days of Tashriq are our Eid days O people of Islam they are days of eating and drinking from that also we know that it is at least detestable that a person fasts on the day of Arafat if they are performing pilgrimage. Uh, the last, the end of this section is hadith number 567 
عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا صام من صام الأبد يعني that the one who fasts always continuously perpetually then he has not fasted at all this hadith is متفق عليه بفور بالبخاري المسلم and there's a narration for Muslim from the hadith of Abi Qasada رضي الله عنه with the expression لا صام ولا أفطر he has neither fasted nor has he broken the fast. He has neither fasted nor has he broken the fast. And the one who fasts perpetually, it is in contradiction uh, to the advice and the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet said, whoever does so, he has not fasted. And in the other narration, he has neither fasted nor broken his fast, meaning he has not gotten the reward for fasting because he has contradicted the Sharia. He has contradicted the instructions of the Prophet ﷺ. So even if he abstains from eating and drinking, he will not get the reward for fasting. And he would also, yeah, and he is not breaking the fast because he is not eating. And he is not fasting because he is not getting the reward for fasting. And there is an authentic hadith that confirms this. Uh, that hadith reported by Ibn Khuzayma and others from Abu Musa, radiallahu anhu, from the Prophet wasallam. He said that whoever fasts continuously, من صام الدار ضيقت عليه جهنم That whoever fasts continuously, then the hellfire will yani, be tight upon him, it will squeeze him. From this hadith, or from these, uh, these two yani, narrations, we understand that it is prohibited to fast continuously or perpetually. And this is the stronger opinion of the scholars, while some scholars tell that it is permissible. However, the hadith is clear concerning this. Likewise, we also understand from this hadith that it is mustahab, that one should avoid burdening oneself beyond what is necessitated by the Sharia. Because the Sharia is based on ease. Allah wants ease for you, not difficulty. Therefore, one should not place difficulty on oneself. And likewise, we understand from this hadith that it is detestable, it is makru to, uh, to be mutashaddid in the deen, yani to go beyond the bounds, to go to the extremes in the matters of deen. But what is required of the Muslim is that they should worship Allah according to the instruction and example of the Prophet sallallahu not trying to go beyond that. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. I don't know if there's any time for question, comment or correction. Is there any time?